Welcome to the, I guess it's not really the weekend must watch, but it no, is sir. a live stream here on Intercut where we wade our way through the latest in theaters, streaming or on demand. This one, just talking about theaters. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's not putting the donkey outside when he's sad. It's Arturo Zurita. I'm going to assume that's a biblical reference because I'm not at TIFF, but Zach specifically is covering all <laughs> of the TIFF movies from Toronto. He's still on the scene, so if you have any yes. recommendations for him to go see, yeah. uh, the man's got 24 hours to go catch them all. So I hit him up with anything, but he's, he's seen a lot yeah. of movies. I was able to catch some virtual ones, some stuff that's out in theaters right now, but I'm looking at the list right here. He's got it jumbled up for me, so I don't know what's in the top 10. Well, I know mm -hmm. what's in the top 10. I just don't know what's in the top 5. Top three. Yeah, you don't know the order, at least. I know uh, you're number I'm, one, though. Be... <laughs> I mean, it, the number one is where that quote is from. It's yes, one that sir. I think we're going to talk about a lot on the rest of the for the rest of the year on Intercut. But yeah, live from TIFF, live from Toronto. The the festival's winding down. I'm on my last 24 hours here in Toronto. I've I've seen almost 30 movies. I'm going to try and hit Ooh. that 30 mark at least before I'm gone. Uh, but I want to just talk about some of the standouts. I'm going to go down my top 10 movies and then we'll be back on Monday or something like that mm -hmm. with a fuller recap of the stuff that played here in Toronto because this is the launching point for the end of the year, for award season, for a lot of really exciting, interesting movies from studios to indies all over the place. And I think, you know... We've both been to a TIFF a couple times now. This is just one of our favorite festivals in terms of the types and variety of movie that they program. I think every time someone asks us, like, uh, what festival should I be going to? And as much as we love Sundance, South by is a lot of fun to do. Like, if for the most bang for your buck, a really interesting town to stay in, city to stay in, mm -hmm. uh, with easy commuting and all that, TIFF. You're at the end of the year where you're getting a lot of not just of the the best of the independent films from earlier in the year, but you're also getting mm -hmm. a lot of premieres, a lot of stuff that's going to be going for Oscars. So, yeah, no, TIFF is always a, a really good place to go to. Yeah. Yeah, Sundance, you have to be kind of like a movie-crazed person like us. There's not in a the whole snow. lot to do <laughs> the in the snow, <laughs> in the mountains, other than watch movies. But here in Toronto, you know, there's there's wonderful restaurants, there's history, there's the, the Hockey Hall of Fame that I did a couple years ago. Uh, there's stuff there's to Tim do Hortons. other than movies. So, yeah, there's Tim Hortons, which is always fun to hit up. So, yeah, if you do want to go to a film festival and not necessarily only do films, this is kind of the best one to be at because it is an amazing festival full of amazing films and in a pretty fun city uh pretty expensive city also right now but yeah. we're dealing with it we're, we're hitting up our Bounce tip discounts bag. whenever we can and yeah trying to trying to just make the most of it it's the first year that they're back to basically like their regular uh ways you know full theaters no more separated covid style seating uh and it feels like it's full force again i mean the midnight madness screenings are are rocking the energy in the room is palpable people are clapping along to zendaya and anne hathaway ads before the movies and and the r's are out in full force for the piracy Ooh. message it's fun being back here man I, I miss doing it with you but it's fun being back here that's dope, dude. I'm glad that we have you over there. I know Carson just put up his list, so he's got a really good rundown. Yep. Amanda's probably going to be doing her rundown as well. But literally, it just 
uh, just tuning into everybody who's over at TIFF, getting varying opinions. You know, I know like people are watching movies like The Whale, and everyone came in either with like a half star to four and a half stars. You know, <laughs> uh, the movies that everybody's coming in and loving, you know, all together. It's just, it's just really cool to see everyone's different opinions and all the stuff that they get, they get right. to go to. All the Q and A's. TIFF does a really good job at posting them up. Uh, spoilers Absolutely. and all, so you know, save them for after the movies. But uh, no, it's been really awesome yeah. to just see. It feels like the festival has returned. I know it came back last year, Absolutely. but it feels like the festival's actually back. It really does. It definitely does. Uh, yeah, so a lot of exciting movies to see. I think the one really exciting movie that a lot of people want to know about, want to hear about, that I did not get to see was what you mentioned, The Whale, which unfortunately had like three very packed screenings in a 24-hour window where I had to go to a cousin's wedding. Other That's than right. that, I yeah. feel like I've seen just about every big TIFF release so big far, time. other than the ones that I know we're going to catch in a couple in weeks York. over at New York. And, I, you know, I think I've, I've combed through it and found the best, not just of right. the big movies, but of some of the under-the-radar under the ones that maybe you aren't thinking about. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want to count down some of my favorites, my top tens, although, you know, there are a couple TIFF movies that I didn't get to yet that I know you got to. So I do want to ask, of the limited TIFF movies you've seen, what is your favorite movie of the Toronto Film Festival? You got to see The Woman King, which I didn't. You got to see Pearl, which I did see, too. Uh -huh. You maybe saw a couple um, screeners here and there, too. Yeah, let's cover it from the bottom going up. There is a movie that you guys can yeah. catch from, I don't want to say the comfort of your own home, but from your own theatrical seat wherever you are. Pearl is out in yeah. theaters right now, and that did have the TIFF mm -hmm. premiere. When I got to see it at a press screening, uh, you know, I stayed for the credits because when we were at South By and they showed X, I stayed for the credits, and they were like, Pearl, we shot a whole other prequel movie for X. This one didn't have anything at the press screening, so I'm at home. Zach gets to go to the midnight premiere, and he messages mm -hmm. me, bro. Did you hear about, uh, what is it? Maxine? Maxine with three X's, yes. So, yeah, this man has X, Y, and Z. This is the, they were calling it the XCU, I heard. Uh, Pearl is the newest movie from Ty West, and it is also written by Mia Goth, which I think is fascinating. Uh, that Very pretty cool. much is a prequel to X, covering the story of one of the characters you may or may not see in that follow-up. Um if X was a movie about, well, I would say the 70s and all of the uh, having a very, you know, lo looking at pornography from the lens of the VHS movement, this takes it all the way back. I call this a star is porn because it's pretty much taking all of those classic, not just fairy tales, but yep. literally the Wizard of Oz and inverting it to a degree in where you have a young girl, a young farm girl who just wants to leave and uh, is stuck between the needs and the wants that she wants to reach for or being able to just take what she already has and, and learn to live with it. I think it's an incredible performance from Mia Goth. She she has this one monologue in this movie where she's trying to give Rebecca Hall a run for her money. I still got Rebecca Hall as monologue of the year, but yeah. uh, I think if you're going to go to theaters to watch this movie, it's definitely for Mia Goth. I really like the score. They, they went from a lot of sense to it being very orchestral. Um, but I don't think it hits as much as X does. The best thing about this movie is that it's actually a lot of setup so if you rewatch X, there's a lot of really good punchlines that now hit yeah. better because of what Pearl set up. So if you're curious in watching this movie, definitely go catch it in uh, a theater with a packed crowd just because of the outburst that Mia Goth's character does as Pearl. Um, but if you're a, a big fan of X, I think you'll, you'll still prefer that a little bit more. If you didn't love X, yeah. I don't think this is going to be the one to win you over. 
this one is maybe a little bit more fun than X. It's kind of brightly lit. There's yes, beautiful yeah. colors. Mia Goth, as you mentioned, is just kind of giving this wacko performance that that is really, really fun. Um, it, it's a little maybe more satisfying as just like a pure slasher. But when you talk about X, like that's a film with like much bigger ideas, much more to necess- kind of say about its time and these characters. So I think thematically and, and just in terms of its vision, I jived more with X. But but Pearl is a fun sense. time, especially with the right crowd. I, I think it's a going to be a really fun one for people who love horror films. So, yeah. Would definitely recommend people check out Pearl as well, especially if you liked X. And you, uh, what did they say about Maxine? Because you got to have the director. Right. Yeah, so they, as soon as the credits stopped rolling, they had the teaser for Maxine. They didn't even tell Tiff that it was going to be playing after the South movie. They the just kind of surprised thing. Yeah, they keep doing it. this. Um, and it, yeah, they were saying he didn't want to say much, but it's set in LA in 1985 after mm. Maxine survives the events of X and moves to. Uh, Los Angeles to become a star. So it's it's cool because I think like you were saying, Pearl does this cool thing that it kind of embodies the sort of old Hollywood style of the time. Yeah. X obviously is very much set in that kind of grindhouse 70s style. And then he's going to also evoke like the more VHS 80s style sick, with dude. the next Maxine. Look, if it's, this is just a series of films that allows Ty West to experiment with different types of film styles or like different uh you know periods of film history i'm there for it i'm enough of a film nerd that i i'd love that he's gonna open one up at every single festival this man's just never gonna stop touring these x movies yeah uh, again pearl is in theaters it was one of the big midnight selections for tiff if you're curious go check it out make sure to do a back-to-back with x kind of like the orphan an orphan first kill you're gonna find yourself in like a little loophole of which do you watch first how does it continue (laughs) Uh, After that, there was a little independent movie that I did get to see. I love movies. Uh, There is a section at TIFF called Discovery that does a lot of like very indie stuff, a lot of stuff that comes from Toronto uh, that's filmed there. But it's they also have an at home thing. You do need probably a VPN and a credit card from that's Canadian. But you are able to catch a lot of the movies virtually if you're not there. And I would recommend this little movie called I Like Movies. It is uh, actually produced, or they think, the people who are making the blockbuster stuff over on Netflix. They have a show coming up that sounds like it's literally geared for me. Um, but many of you have seen the, the documentary, The Last Blockbuster. They don't have the rights here to use blockbuster, but you know that that's exactly what it is. You have this right. kid who's this big cinephile. He's practically like, uh, if, if you all saw Funny Games, it's that same kid, but instead of art, it's movies, and no one understands movies the way that awesome. he understands movies. Um, and while he's so over the top and he's way too like invested in it, and he really wants this job not because he needs the money, but because he wants to tell people what better recommendations there are in the at the blockbuster or the theater store that he has, uh, movie store. Um, he gets a little, you know, a little too agitated at times. But you end up seeing his history kind of. Uh, get dug into the more that he's working there. He's also working with uh, a manager who's running that store who had a different career path that she was going to go to in movies and ended up being a movie store clerk. Uh, it, it's a really cute movie, dude. I, I really liked it a lot in terms of the way that it's uh, – you see the fanaticism that someone could have. I think the way that you had totally. broken down funny pages was that you you see somebody who is, is so invested in, in a craft – 
in a passion for something that it becomes overwhelming. And uh, I think this really gets that down. It's dirty when it needs to be. Uh, it's got that very indie flair to it. I would recommend this one. I thought it was a really cute movie, and I think it, it really wears its uh, love for and passion for movies on its sleeve. I like movies. Check awesome. it out if you get the chance. Yeah, definitely want to catch that one. Uh, that's one of the ones that I knew you had, and I haven't got around to it yet, but I'm going to try and sneak it in these last couple of days. or something, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The last one, Zach, When You Land. I'm going to recommend this one. And it's got to be in Adobe Theater. You need to feel okay. the beat on this one. The Woman King. It's an action epic. It is an action epic drama, bro. This thing spans two hours and change, and I was like, all right, are we going to go for it? And this movie ends. Alina's like, I could have used another two hours here. I think the two hours is perfect. The Woman King is the newest one from Gina. Uh, she just did... Prince Bythewood? She, she just did... What was it? I like the other one, too, for Netflix. Oh, uh, Old Guard, right? She did Old Guard. A a lot of you may know her from Love and Basketball, uh, which it's on the Criterion Collection now. Um, Mm -hmm. She always delivers for me, in my opinion. She's also got another one with uh, Gugu. Behind the Lights, I think it's what Beyond it's called. Beyond the Lights? Yeah I, yeah. I like her as a director. I think she's a fantastic director, and it's been really cool to see her get bigger budgets, and it's been really cool to see her get into the action genre. Um, I'm going to give you the two critiques right now. I wish that there was less medium and cuts towards the final fight, and one is a character thing that I wish didn't end up the way that it did. Other than that, Zach, you go in there. They, this feels like a lived-in world. These women are so fast. I just said my review. I had to catch my breath, bro. There were some critiques that people had for Prey. You are not going to have that for this movie right here. They feel like they could whoop your ass easily. The action sequences in the beginning, their training montage, all of it feels so gritty, bro. They look so jacked that John Boyega was talking about how he saw them all work out. And since he had to play king, he was just going to sit it back. You know, it's what he needed to do. He needed to make sure that they ran these things. <laughs> Bro, they deliver in this movie when it comes to action. But what I wasn't expecting was the story. Um, I had heard some people critique it in terms of uh, because it's taking place in the 1800s and you have this empire that they're running that is now being kind of like they're stealing their ports and such. And obviously there's a slave trade that's coming through how historically accurate or, you know, what they would be guilty of and i think they handle it to the best degree that they can you know they're obviously also doing uh uh, they're doing the whole thing in english and they play it off like it's not supposed to be english it is supposed to be their native language but obviously you know it's an american film Mm. um but i've seen some reviews for it and i find it really weird that people are giving it one star because they were at a press screening where someone was yelling what are you reviewing then? You ain't reviewing the movie. I saw right. someone give this one star because they're like, it's not historically accurate because of the slave trade. And it's kind of just showing you that things have been mixed up and how the military is used for bad things. I looked up their Top Gun reviews. Zach, they gave that four and a half stars. So I don't know <laughs> what some of the reviews are doing here. I'm not going to overhype mm-hmm. the movie for everybody. But I think for what it was going for, this is exactly what people say when they're talking about why are you taking a franchise and, and, and trying to modernize it in some way? Why don't you create your own? They have created their own here. This is an epic story where all of the cast delivers. Viola Davis is fantastic in this movie. The physicality that she brings to it is, I, well, I was not expecting this from her at this point in time. Yeah. And she still brings the drama. She know, you know she's still going to deliver that crying scene. Duso, bro. Duso was great in the That's... Underground Railroad. And she comes in here. Right. And just delivers like she has uh, out of the yeah. whole cast that's in there. She's got this very like you know innocent face, um, and the way mm-hmm. that that story develops with her, I thought was fantastic. John Boyega is good, but Lashana Lynch, bro. I was She takes it. She takes it. She ran with it. I don't. 
She is so good in this movie, bro. It was my favorite. Amazing. Uh, I would recommend this movie again, like I said, in Dolby. Get a comfortable seat. It's two hours. You know, just relax with it. Go in there for the action. Uh, go in this for the world building that they have. Terrence Blanchard did the score. So the best sound that you can possibly get, the better. Um, and then get hit with what I thought was a pretty decent story. Uh, that really surprised me. That had a lot more layers to it that I was not expecting with this group of soldiers. So, uh, again, if you don't know, The Woman King is a story about uh, this kingdom where it's the women soldiers that have trained so much that pretty much Adora Milaje from the Black Panthers, yeah, they would, they would look up <laughs> to these people right here. Uh, the Amazing. Woman King. It premiered at TIFF. I give it my recommendation. See it in the best theater you can near you. Yeah, man, I'm excited for it. It's been – it's one of those that – uh, gets a TIFF premiere like right before it's going to be available everywhere. And I'm yeah. always nervous about those. Like, are they just trying to get a little bit of glamour or yeah. are they actually festival worthy? And the buzz on this one that it, it, it is festival worthy. It's actually quite a good time. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you liked it. I'm definitely checking it out before our next uh, broadcast. Um, yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Glad to hear that you got caught the movies that uh, some of the movies that I couldn't catch. But Zach, All right. So tell me. I, what I do got the people to. There's... have to look forward to. Oof. All right, this look, is new man. to me too. I see them all here, but I don't know what's what's ten through one. So hit me. So I'm gonna start off with. I guess I'm putting this at eleven. I technically have eleven there. Uh, it might have been my number ten, but I, I kind of want to leave a little space for some of the movies that y'all haven't heard of. But you probably have seen some trailers for the menu already. A very oh, solid thriller. Yeah, this is directed yes, by Mark. Mark Mylod, who did the uh, pilot for Succession, and it, with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, just a whole bunch of actors that we love from different places. And, I, like, this is a very kind of slight thriller, but an immensely satisfying one. Just a very good, entertaining, twisty-turny time at the movies that's really well-directed, really well-paced, and just, like, creative, right? This is one of those movies that left me guessing as to what was going to happen next constantly. Um, you know, it, it's got this dark edge to it. I think if you're a fan of the acid tongue nature of the lines on succession, you'll enjoy how, how mean the menu gets at times, but really okay. like the main price, the main reason to pay the price of admission is Ray Fiennes, an actor who I feel like we don't get enough, like great performances from, but who is so fun, just like eating the scenery, you know, chewing up these moments. Uh, there's these times where like, he's very stern and hard-nosed hard in the movie. And because he's such a good actor, you see like just an, a little inch of a smile a creep along his face when things go according to his plan or maybe surprise him in fun ways. Okay. He's just so fun to watch uh, as the action unfolds. And of course, Anya is great in it too. Um, it's going to be a fun time at the movies. So, I definitely wanted to shout that one out, but that's one that Beautiful. I think is on most people's radar. It's on so the, line, the real movie, the real movie I'm putting at number ten is one that I haven't seen a lot of people talking about, and it is Rice Boy Sleeps. Okay. This is a really cool coming of age film set in Canada in the 1990s about a South Korean mother who uh, moves into Canada with her son and tries to raise her son in America. And there's some elements that are maybe uh, familiar in terms of he gets made fun of for having like weird lunches compared to the rest of his class. 
Uh, there's a really wonderful scene in which the teacher suggests he try using a more English style name. Um, I don't want to spoil the bit because it's very, very funny. But I think where this movie really succeeds is just in its very, it's it's very, uh, it's got this very interesting sort of slow approach, this observant approach. There's lots of very long takes, but not the kind of like show offy long takes that you might think of. These are just sort of like gentle staying in the room for tense moment scenes. And I think the film that honestly it reminded me of the most was Moonlight, the way in which Moonlight gives you pieces of a young person's life and you see that progression and how it sort of builds into a character. Um, there, there are, you know, definitely echoes of it throughout here. And I just thought it was a very beautifully told story. The mother who I think is a first time actress named Choi Sung Yoon absolutely broke my heart in this movie. There's one monologue she has, um, telling a, a story from the old country that completely destroyed me. I just thought this was a really, really great coming of age film and, um, hopefully one that people will keep on their radar. I got this one. I know we have a link for it. And I was seeing some of the stills. It, it looks it looks beautiful, dude. So yeah. Gorgeously shot. It's definitely got like a filmic quality. I don't know if dude, it was shot in like 35 poster, or something like that. The poster looks sick. Yeah. Okay. It's beautiful, man. It's just one of those movies that like warmed my heart a little bit by the end. And uh, I don't know. You need that in, in – uh, it's not that cold in Canada, but you need it here in Toronto. <laughs> Rice Boy Sleeps. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is one that I know you will caught a little bit of. Uh, I got Susie searches here. Mm. It's a really fun uh, kind of twist on the true crime genre. I saw a lot of people comparing it to only murders in the building. I think it's got some other things going on than just that. I think there's a little bit of a like darker edge to this movie in terms of where it goes. Um, I also think there's just a lot of like visual creativity. Were you saying that it, Karsten said it looked a little like a lyrical lemonade video? Yeah, Karsten said it's got uh, the editing style of a lyrical lemonade. Yeah, I mean, there's really fun moments that kind of break it up. But I think ultimately what I responded to was the story about someone who cares so deeply about being involved in this kind of like true crime story that they don't know where to stop. In terms of that type of involvement, um, I, I think it all really is sold by this Kiersey Clemens performance. She's just like 100 percent committed to this strange character. And it's just a very fun, offbeat movie. I, I was. Uh, yeah, it, it surprised me along the way. There's like a big thing that happens right in the middle that completely upended my expectations. And especially for a, a true crime type of story, you want to keep guessing towards the end. So uh, I thought it was a lot of fun and. Uh, a really good time. Nice. And a very stacked cast. Very stacked cast. Um, <laughs> our shout out to Rachel Sennett, who's very perfectly cast in a small role in this one, too. Yep. One of our favorites. All right. What I got at number eight is one that I know we're both we are both very excited for. It's an adaptation of a short film that we both love. Oh, yes. I'm putting Bruiser. At number eight, this one is the feature directorial debut from Miles Warren. Now, uh, the short film Bruiser is available on YouTube right now. Is highly, highly recommend you watch it. It is so good and just kind of like at yeah. Sundance, yeah. It leaves you with chills. Like that's got a. It's an amazing, amazing ending in that too. Um, and I think if you watch the short, you'll get an idea of the 
assured quality that Miles Warren has. Like, there's a visual uh, confidence to both the short film and this feature that I was very surprised by considering this is coming from a first-time filmmaker. There, the palette is unbelievable in this movie. Everything is, like, yellow or red with green lights illuminating it, like – down from like all his shirts are yellow. The motorbike they get on is yellow. Like just all these, all this sort of consideration into sort of the look of the film and giving it this cohesive thing. Um, but ultimately what I responded to was this very touching story about how masculinity eats up these different men in this story. Uh, it's a film about a 14 year old who gets beat up by a bully and then wants to learn to be able to fight back. And just essentially the consequences of responding to violence with violence and the, the cyclical nature of that kind of violence. I think it's a it's maybe a story with uh, familiar thematic ideas, but the execution is all unique to itself and just told very beautifully. I think Trevante Rhodes gives an incredible performance in this film. I was he's an actor who I'm always surprised by his next moves and. This was just another like expansion in the types of film films we can get from him, but yeah, I mean, from the this got it's got this kind of like atmospheric orchestral type of score that makes things extremely dramatic, and then it's shot in this gorgeous way. Um, I don't know, man. It's a very tender, heartbreaking film, and I, I think you know it's a Hulu original, so hopefully it'll get out there Whoa, a little bit more. For real, but, okay, yeah. But I was I was pretty stunned with it, and I'm I'm very surprised to not see more people uh, talk about it. Even on Letterboxd, less than a hundred people have seen it. So despite the TIFF premiere, it hasn't necessarily gotten a lot of that uh, a lot of that hype. They're all going for the Netflix movies. They're all going for the movies that got premieres already in October. That's why we need you on the field, bro. Mm -hmm. Bruiser, dude. That was one of our favorite shorts out of Sundance. Really resonated with us both. I wanted to go look back at uh, you and I both logged it at four stars. When we found out that this was going to be the feature film, it made me want to like pack my bag and actually go go over there to catch it. So I'm glad to hear that it's going to be on Hulu because, nah, this is – the short was really good. I didn't realize it was on YouTube, so I would highly recommend that and then keeping this one on your radar because it's online. The, the other thing I love, like we have seen at this point, like several short films that then get adapted into features. And it's always interesting to see how the filmmakers try to like readapt their own movie, recreate yeah. those moments. He, Miles does it in a way here that completely kind of like changes the context around the big moments in the short film, but to, to make Ooh. them new, but still serving like the greater film, like uh, the ending of the short is not the ending of the feature. It, it happens pretty early, but it works just as well. Hey, let me ask you a I question. don't know, man. I don't know if you can see the poster yeah. there. Please don't tell me that's the final frame of the movie, though. Oh, it is not. It's not. Oh, it's, fine. Good. It's that a beautiful shot, Every though. single time <laughs> in these festivals. <laughs> that's a big Sundance thing. That's a big Sundance thing. Uh, I heard Tiff d- was doing it with a couple, too, where they just like, hey, yeah. you want to see this movie? Here's the final frame. <laughs> uh, they kind of did it with my next one, number seven, Alice oh. Darling. Okay. Um, it, the, it's a really, really excellent movie. Uh, one that, uh, again, I haven't seen a whole lot of people talking about, despite it being a gala premiere with Anna Kendrick. But this one is really excellent. Uh, a film about a woman who is sort of like unable to see outside of her relationship and the the just like all-encompassing nature of being in a toxic dynamic, right? Like the the way in which people who are in 
bad relationships don't really see it unless they're until they're finally outside of it. And Kendrick just really fully embodies all of the anxiety and relief and the ups and the downs of this woman sort of trying to figure herself out. Um, I thought it was excellent. It was really, really lived in. Like it feels real, but not in a way that feels like unwriterly. It just feels kind of like a beautiful glimpse of life. And then it builds to this extremely tense final couple minutes. The last like five, 10 minutes of this movie are just about as note perfect as you can get for this really? type of drama. It, it really, really works to, for me on the end. And yeah, man, um, it, it's one of those films that it just perfectly sticks the landing in a way that left it sitting with me and I'm still tossing it over in my head. I, I thought this one was great. I'm really hoping it gets on more people's radar uh, once it's finally out. I don't really know when we'll see it. Um, out, yeah. But the other interesting thing about it, this one is directed by Mary Nye. That happens okay. to be Bill Nye's daughter. We were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's yeah. not Bill Nye the science guy, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it's Bill Nye the no. actor. Yes, Bill yeah, Nye the... Uh, was he a Pirate of the Caribbean at some point? He was point? I feel of the like Caribbean. He was, he was yes, in Shot of the that, Dead. Yeah, because that's what it confused me so much. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> that's a lot of makeup. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's Bill Nye's daughter. That, that's really good to see that uh, not only she was able to run with being a director, but delivered something good. And dude, an hour 29? Mm -hmm. That's it's a pretty short movie, too. Yeah, it's it's in and out. It's effective. I really dug that's it. Nice. All right. Alice, darling, I'll keep that one All on right. my radar, too. Number six on my top ten list is a movie that I think a lot of people are going to be excited about regardless of what I say. But look, it's the return of Ryan Johnson. The man knows how to make an exciting movie and he's back to his own IP with Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. The the new Ooh. Daniel Craig-led uh, twisty-turny story of uh, Detective Benoit Blanc with a great cast featuring people like Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. For me, Edward Norton, probably the standout here just because I'm really excited to whenever I get a new Edward Norton performance. But I think Bro. what's cool here is that um, it's it's got all the fun elements of Knives Out in that the tone is very breezy, like a clue or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there are like big twists and turns and big stakes, life and death. Uh, and it just continues to surprise at the whole way through. It does this really interesting thing where like, it's almost like a magic trick in a way where it's like, it'll show you a bunch of things happening and then it rewinds and shows you them again at some point and you like see them break, in a new, new yeah. light. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's just effective, man. It's got great performances, a lot of very funny lines and, it's hard to really say much other than this is like an extremely entertaining piece of work. I've seen some people say they liked it more than Knives Out. I don't think I'm there quite yet, but it's absolutely on the level. It's not like a drop That's off or whatever. For. All right. That's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. A totally worthy sequel to a really fun first movie. And you said out of, I mean, this is, the meme was that everyone was getting cast in this. Every week, you had yeah, somebody new. At one point, we were auditioning. Uh, the best <laughs> one's Edward Norton. I mean, I just love Edward Norton, and I think he gets a lot of fun stuff to do. Kate Hudson is probably going to be the standout for most people. She has a really fun character, okay. but you know, I love my boy Ed. So sounds good. 
right. It's and also like one. Daniel Craig is so good in these movies. It's very funny to see him do this in contrast to James Bond, where Bond, he's such like a Swab. vacancy of charisma in a way. Although like that's kind of intentional. And this he's so like boisterous and loud and fun and I don't know. Um great movie. Sounds good. And this one isn't coming. I mean, it's coming out on Netflix, but I think it gets theatrical stuff late November, maybe even December. So mm-hmm. if you get to catch it at a festival, it's also going to be playing at Chicago. Highly recommend to go see it because I feel like this is the one that everyone's trying to get a hot ticket for. Yeah. Um, so at number five on my list, I got a movie that stars our Sundance King, even though we're here in Toronto. But mm-hmm. shouts to Chris Abbott. because Oh, we got new Chris Abbott. Uh, okay. We got new Chris Abbott and new Margot Qualley in the movie Sanctuary, a really interesting film about a, um, the, the heir to a hotel empire hiring a dominatrix and just their back and forth. This is a movie that essentially oh, has knows? two people in it. It's a two-hander, I think I, I can hey, say. Hey. Um, and it just – I think it succeeds on just this amazing kind of Sorkinian back and forth dialogue where they're at each other's throats and sort of, you know, (laughs) negotiating essentially for the length of this movie. And it's got these interesting twisty turny dynamics that are are fun and a little bit perverted, but also like dark. Um, Honestly, this felt to me like the American answer to the Duke of Burgundy. Because it's Stop. it's got all the same sort of like sexual power politics going on, Chill. but it, yeah, dude, it's this is a really good movie that I was I was not prepared to enjoy quite as much as I did. My my main reaction to it when it was over was that felt short. I wanted it to keep going, and, and that's a great sign for your movie when you don't want it to end. Easily, for those of you who don't know, Duke of Burgundy, I just brought it up on the Monday stream as well because Flex Gourmet, which I was expecting to be like the menu. Was uh, <laughs> it's a movie that's out on Shutter right now, and I said watch Duke of Burgundy if you can. Um, always here to shout out Duke of Burgundy on the Intercut Podcast. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Does this one have a rating? Because I know Duke of Burgundy is also not rated. This one, I mean, I think this one will be R. It's not okay. that sexually explicit, more more in the dialogue than in the visuals. Gotcha. But I mean, it's it's definitely a movie for weird little perverts. So if you consider yourself one. <laughs> Margaret Qualley, I feel like, can kill that role. And with Christopher Abbott, I don't know if you ever saw a movie that he did called Piercing. That was also another one. I actually with, haven't seen that one. With him and uh, Mia Wasikowski. And they were, like, all in one mm. place, too. But this was, like, a little bit more gruesome than it was perverted. So, Right. Uh, I, I want to shout out Margot Qualley again. Because she, it. to me, was really the big takeaway from this movie. She's so fun and dynamic she has this extremely expressive face and so much of this movie is just kind of like lingering on them and her ability to to turn on a dime and go from like kind of naive and nice to like really powerful and sexy and i don't know like she just she has such a control over the tone of that movie that it it blew me away i was i really really like this one can't wait for you to catch it yeah, she's got a couple that are coming up. I know she also has Stars at Noon from Khan. I know that one got a little bit split, but that's a new Claire Denise. So I- I'm excited for mm-hmm. Sanctuary. I heard a couple of other people, including Amanda, say good things about it. Oh, damn. Yeah. Amanda said great things about it. My bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely adding this one. of Amanda's favorites from the fest I know. So This is your five, right? This is five? So it's on top half. I got this at number five. Beautiful. Yep. yep. 
All right, let's go to my number four, which is Women Talking. This was the first great movie I saw here. Oh. And I just like floated out of the theater on this one because it's it's one of my favorite types of movies, which is like a difference of opinion film, right? Like this is a whole movie that's about people trying to resolve a problem despite not being on the same side of it. it it's It's like, it's a little bit like a 12 Angry Men, maybe even like, you know, in the style of something like mass, even though it's not necessarily as sad, but just like, I love films that are really concerned about their characters inner lives. They, they have a full picture of who all these people are and it gives all of them a chance to kind of speak their mind and try and sort of find some common ground. This film is about a group of women in an isolated religious community who are struggling to sort of balance their faith with the fact that the men of this colony keep attacking them and sexually uh, impacting sexual violence on them. And so the, the women spend the entire length of this movie trying to figure out what to do about their problem. You got some amazing performances from Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley and Rooney Mara. I thought uh, Judith Ivey was also particularly great in the film. Uh, shout out also Ben Wishaw, who I thought so, some people didn't like his performance in it, but he broke my heart. Uh, I think he's got this thing where he kind of like smiles, but you know he's not happy. And it just it got me every time I saw okay. it in this movie. Um, th I don't know. I, I think it's a very writerly movie. Um, I think a lot of the lines are a lot of the monologues are, are very powerful. They might be a little bit big. For some people, but for me, I just found it fascinating to see see this like hypothetical situation of like what would these women do? What would they have to consider in order to keep themselves safe? And um, I, yeah, it, it's one of those films where basically as soon as it started, from like the cinematography to the score. Score, by the way, was from uh, what's her name, Hilder something that won the Oscar for Joker. Yeah. So. The score goes crazy at certain points. Um, I know some people I didn't like the color too, grading, so. but I actually thought it – yeah, yeah. Um, some people didn't like the color grading in the movie, but I still thought it was beautifully filmed. Why? What's wrong with it? Th this is – Too saturated or – It's a little drab. Yeah, it's a little it's a little I mean, colorless, and I think story? that's meant to <laughs> kind of reflect story? their lives. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can see how it might not work for everybody. It's, for me, it, it worked completely though. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to this one because so many people have been coming out yeah. just talking nothing but great things about this. Uh, it has a release date of December second, but I know it'll be playing mm -hmm. at New York as well. So if you have the chance to see it, edit on. Yeah, edit I'm on trying to radio. convince you to stick around for that New York screening. Yeah, um, it's the last one that's going to be there. This is the first. This is the first of the movies that I've mentioned from Tip thus far that I feel like it's almost for sure going to be in the Oscars race. Like I would be very surprised if hmm. this. And two others that I'm going to mention aren't Best Picture nominees. This is She Said, but like for real. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's get into the top three. And no better place to start it than with my boy Steve. Um, Steven Spielberg making some home movies, tell, printing the legend, uh, telling basically his own story of growing up post-World War II and his family life and how he got into film. Uh, although it's he's the character is not literally named Steven Spielberg. He goes with the name excuse me, Sammy Fableman here. But okay. I thought this was like a really wonderful story 
about developing a love for art among a family who doesn't necessarily know how to feed it. Um, it it's got it's interesting because it's very episodic. Um, it kind of has all these different chapters where they'll move to different parts of the country or people will come in and out of their lives. But to me, it's very much like Spielberg running through his memories, right? Like running through all the things that he experienced that got him to where he is today. And I found it to be a very beautiful look back. Um, I, for people like you and I, we're going to geek out over all of the like yeah. moments where he's making his home movies and using like, uh, using like super eight cameras to, with his friends to film war movies and stuff like that. Like you see all of the cinematic inspiration stuff there, but I think it's also a really interesting story of like persevere, persevering into what you love, despite your family, not necessarily being there, uh, as supportive the whole way. Um, I don't know, man, it's a, it's Steven Spielberg. So it's hard, kind of hard to argue, uh, that it's great, that it's not great, rather. There's a shot maybe five minutes into this movie where the young Sammy has just gotten a train set and the trains are the train set is coming like right at his face and they shoot it like it looks like a big real train. Uh, it's just some classic Spielberg, Janusz Kaminski stuff. And I was on board basically from that moment. Um, a lot of unexpectedly quotable lines, a lot of amazing uh, performances, even in smaller roles. A cameo that made me You're, laugh my ass off late in the film. They keep spoiling it for me, bro. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, I no, didn't. I wouldn't people, do it. But... Be careful with the top ones. A lot of people think that going to a film festival means I get to be the first one to, like, tell you what a scene is. I, I'm still excited for it. It, it sounds so good that sure. even with it being spoiled, I want to see it so bad. Yeah. I mean, it. It's two and a half hours long, and it maybe feels it a little bit, but there's nothing that I would take out. It's so joyful. It's so much fun. Um, it, it's one that I'm very eager to see again. So I want to see this. Uh, you broke down something to me. I think it was you who had broken down Fablemans and then his name being Spielberg and replacing Right. Him. Yeah, so like a common uh, Jewish end of the name is men. Like there's Goldman, Silverman, people like that. So uh, – He's using man instead of Berg, which is another sort of common Jewish end of last name. And then the first part of Spielberg, Spiel, to Spiel is to sort of like tell a story, to talk. And he's replacing Spiel with Fable, Fable. Uh, another synonym for stories. So, yeah, he's found a way to even make an autobiographical story without using his own name. But it's very cool. You know, it's, it's Spielberg telling the legend of Steven Spielberg. I like it. I'll mess with it. Yeah. November 23rd. Yeah. So it's a little bit away, but I'm, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see the Spielberg movie. Absolutely. I'm Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. All right. I just got out of my number two of the festival this morning Ooh. and I am, I'm feeling like electric right now. I'm so excited off this one. Do you know anything about how to blow up a pipeline? The movie, not like how to actually blow up a pipeline. Okay. No to the second one. Um, this is the new film from Daniel Goldhaber whose directorial debut is a movie we both liked Cam the horror movie with Issa Mazzei okay yeah Netflix yeah 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 okay this one was just picked up out of the fest from Neon so you already got a dope distributor on board yeah 
and there's a bunch of really interesting cast members in this too that I, I didn't expect because uh, I didn't look it up before the movie. You've got Sasha Lane, Forrest Goodluck, Lucas Gage, uh, even the other people who I wasn't as familiar with. I'm now a fan of after watching this film about a group of young environmental activists who decide to blow up a pipeline in Texas as a form of protest, as, you know, a bit of like eco-terrorism. To, to me, this is eco-terrorism Ocean's Eleven, because the whole thing takes on the feeling of a heist film, of like a classic caper. There's the bringing together of the team. There's the process in preparing the explosives and figuring out the plan and giving them all alibis and all, all the stuff like that. It's combined with this like pulse pounding score that just keeps things moving and keeps things exciting. And it, it just never stops moving. This is an expertly paced movie that never lingers too long on a moment or gives you even too little, right? It just tells you the exact amount of information you need. And I think the thing that I love most about this, because there are films out there like uh, like Night Moves or like The East that Dude, have I was gonna mention the East. tried to – okay, right. There, there are films that have tried to tackle the idea of eco-terrorism. I think this film – is is better because it's kind of has no it's no it makes no apologies for being really transgressive. This is a movie that is extreme extremely radical in its viewpoint, but it wants you to be radical too. And I don't know, man, it's very exciting. I think the way that they build tension, the way that they allow for elements of their plan to go wrong and for the film to just keep uh, keep the pieces moving was was like engrossing. I, I was gripping my armrest. I was sitting forward in my seat. I was just so excited watching this movie. This right. is like a huge revelation for me. I think Daniel, uh, this director, Daniel Goldhaber, has gone from a guy who made a movie I liked to a filmmaker who I need to watch whatever he puts out next. Um, this is a really, really cool movie, man. I, I, I'm very excited for more people to see it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like comes out to a little bit of controversy just because of how unapologetic it is in its approach. Uh -huh. But it's so ambitious and cool and so satisfying in the end. It has this amazing credit sequence, too, in the ending. I, I, I got to say, man, this is like you hoped you, you go to a film festival like Toronto knowing you're going to see the Fablemans, knowing you're going to see uh, women all talking, knowing you're going to see all the bigger films. But, but hoping you find films like How to Blow Up a Pipeline, something yeah. you, that wasn't on your radar when you showed up, but is you can't stop talking about it once you leave. That's awesome. Dude, I'm looking at it. says drama, thriller, western. I'm yeah. over here trying to hunt down the three, 10 to Yuma steelbook. So when I see drama, thriller, western, this is right up my alley. Do you know what a, a category this was in? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. Like discovery um, or something? It's in the category of your top ten, so I mean that's more than exactly. Time. It's in the most important category. Uh, it, pulling it, it up me, now. Yeah, as you pull it up, platform. It platform. Platform. Okay, interesting. It's a good movie, dude. All right. Uh, do you remember? A movie and under a hundred minutes. I saw that too. Hour thirty-nine. Uh, do you remember a movie <laughs> called Gasoline Thieves? I know there was a doc, and then someone they made like yes. a narrative. It, I feel like it played like in New York someplace about it was like the Mexico version of this, where they went to go get the the steel from the pipeline because they were overcharging, and then that one is kind of like the opposite. Instead of them doing the heist, it was like them running into a trap. So, uh, if anyone's seen that one, I still have yet to catch that one, but both of these hopefully will have a, a full release because I know that I'm still waiting on that one. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, sick, I mean, dude. Neon picked this one up, so it seems I, like it'll definitely be yeah available somewhere, man. I I'm really hype on it. I really really like this one. Right, that's awesome. Beautiful. Um, yet, all right, so and yeah, yeah, there is one more movie that stands out. Um, even among all those films, I think the thing that I liked the most was the new Martin McDonough film, The Banshees of Inishirin. I mean, look, I've been on the Martin McDonough train for a while in Bruges. Amazing. Psycho- Seven Psychopaths. Solid. Uh, three billboards. Controversial. I still think it's really good. But Should've this won. is probably the best film that Martin McDonough's ever made. I think it's Ooh. got all the things. <laughs> this has got all you the things you really want. Three really good yeah. films, bro. Yeah. Yeah. This one might be better than all of them. It is so funny. It's got that kind of like that hilarious dialogue, that really interesting construction of lines that Martin McDonough does, but that's also kind of like very bleak and and very dark. There's like this existential nature to the film because it's about these two friends and one decides they don't want to be friends anymore. But then it kind of like expands into like, what is the purpose of our time on earth? How should we act? What is what is nice and is nice a good quality? Like it's so the way that they start small and kind of open it up into these much larger ideas is so cool. But it's unpretentious because it's done in this very dry Irish style of comedy. Um, I was just really, really on board from the jump on this one. It, it stars Colin Farrell, who is grown into just like one of my top five actors he is so fun to watch in this film. This might be finally this. Yeah, we should we should do a bracket on him. Maybe um, this might be the movie that finally gets him his Oscar nomination. He's so good just like with this <laughs> carrying this sad energy. There's just so much so much pain in his furrowed eyebrows in this movie. I couldn't look away from him. And oh. it's just so, so funny, man. I, this I is his year. Mc, it really is his year for great movies from 13 lives after gang, the Batman and now this he's, and this is the best one of those performances too. Um, combined, combined with the McDonough dialogue, which is just like getting to hear them talk in their natural Irish accents, Farrell and Gleason, but also deliver this like lyrical, hilarious lines. I, I don't know, man. This is just like what I was hoping for to to get out of a movie like this, to get out of a fest like this. This is my style of movie, a movie that makes me laugh, but also makes me sad and makes me think. Right. Um, I I love this film. I, I don't know if it ultimately will be like a strong best picture contender because it is such like a sad, dark movie. But I think it's undeniably great. And the reviews seem to back that up. So I anticipated to at least get some Oscar nominations. And look, it's easily a contender for my favorite film of the year. And I'm sure it's going to be uh, contending for your list as well. You said we're going to see it in a week and change, I think. So yeah, in New York, we'll sit we'll back be... down and, and talk it out. You ready to see it again? I got one last question for you. Yeah. How's my boy? Barry Keogh absolutely hysterical in this just like everything that you want from barry keogh matched with martin mcdonough style dialogue he finds a a stick with a hook at the end of it and he's like what do you think it's for hooking things that are just a stick's length away (laughs) it's he's so funny man he's so weird too i 
I love when they let Barry Keo be kind of like a weirdo. That's, I don't know. That's Brian I, Barry. Yeah. I was so happy watching this one, even though there's sad stuff happening. I, I was just, it's so, it feels so good to watch such a good movie. No, bro. I'm, I'm beyond excited. Uh, I'm going to have Alina sit down and rewatch all of the other Martin McDonald's. Cause I don't think she's seen, uh, in Bruges yet. I think she saw seven psychopaths with me and we saw three billboards. Um, but he's also a playwright, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think that's why his script yeah. tend to be so freaking good. Yeah. Um, what is the so he's done a lot of plays, and there's this one I, I've read a bunch of them. Um, and the Lieutenant of Inishmore is this one that I would recommend because tonally it kind of feels very similar mm. to what's happening in uh, mm. Banshees of Inishirian, but. Yeah, I mean, McDonough's one of my favorite writers, and this is just an absolutely amazing script from him. So That's beautiful. I, I can't wait to talk about it more. I almost, like, I just want to talk about the specifics of it, but I don't want to get too spoilery yeah. months before people can see it. Um, a hilarious movie. Absolutely hilarious movie. All right, I still have your top 11 uh, pulled up here. So if you want to run it back from your 11 back up. Right. All right, so from 11 to the top, let's go with, the Menu, really solid thriller. Rice Boy Sleeps, wonderful coming-of-age film. Susie Searches, an unexpectedly dark true crime story. Bruiser, a beautiful story of masculinity and, and the ways that it pulls us apart. Alice Darling, a wonderful drama thriller about escaping an abusive relationship. Glass Onion, uh, amazing, fun Ryan Johnson romp. Sanctuary. <laughs> the American answer to Duke of Burgundy. I think that's the best short review I can give of it. Okay. Uh, Women talking the a amazing difference of opinion movie debate movie. The Fablemans, the Spielberg story as told by Spielberg. How to blow up a pipeline. Eco terrorism. Ocean's Eleven. And the number one of Tiff is the Banshees of Inishirin. Beautiful. Damn. That's a solid. Yeah, list, man. man. A, that, that... a lot of really solid movies this year. That's a top 10 of the year for a lot of people right there. Um, and I want to, you know, sorry. No, I just said that that's a top 10 for a lot of people right there in and of itself. And you still got three months. <laughs> I know, man. I know there's, it's turning into quite a great movie year. I mean, we were saying this well before TIFF started, but, but then the fall festivals came around and jumped on a, a yep. whole bunch of new good movies too. So, I don't know. Uh, assembling that top 10 at the end of this year is going to be really, really difficult. Um, quick shout out to some of the people in the live stream chat. Ewan saying that Banshees was so great. His favorite out of Venice. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about the movies he saw at Venice. And uh, I think we're both on the same page when it comes to a few of them. Uh, shout out also Antonio, who... Uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's the same. I'm hoping it's the same Antonio that I got to meet while I was here in TIFF, uh, who is getting some work done while watching this live stream. Uh, and shout out to Brian for the super chat, uh, listening to our TIFF lists. And hopefully you can uh, come join us in TIFF soon, sometime soon. Any festival. We always recommend. That's why we cover these festivals. Uh, obviously, the movies will always get a wide release date, but it's just beautiful to be in a place where... One, the movies are being projected the way they need to. You're sitting with an audience who wants to be there, and then you get to be there with the with the filmmakers and such. So it's it's just the environment of being at a film festival that's unbeatable. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping you can join me here next next year, man. It was a lot of fun. I'm gonna try, dude. 
I'm crying because I couldn't be there, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm gonna be better and, and up and running for New York. Yeah, please, please, uh, and we'll we'll be in the same state again soon, so we can uh, get same some in-person country, recordings. <laughs> yeah, same country for first time uh, in three weeks. Uh, yeah. Um, quick shout out to our awesome Intercuity patrons, those wonderful people supporting the show. They are Ewan, who we just shouted out, Julieta, who I see in the live stream, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Marion, Da, and Matt. Our Academy level members are Tushar, Cademan. Connor, Pete, Sean, May, and Ricky. And of course, a huge thanks to those producer level patrons, Awkward and Uden Veer. You all hey, help hey, keep the show going. Thank you so much. Head over to patreon.com slash intercutpod to support what we do. And uh, also a shout out to uh, Antonio and Tyler for uh, saying hi. A couple intercut listeners. Here attending the festival, Shane, who we've met in the past, hey, shout out Shane. Uh, we got got to spend some time hanging out with. So, you know, it's it's a fun place to be, and uh, it sounds like a lot of the Intercut family is here. You know, beautiful. I'm glad they all get to feel yeah. it. All right, so um, I think that's just about it for this quick recap of my top ten. I think we're gonna try and do a fuller TIFF recap next week. We might even bring on. Uh, Amanda or Karsten or somebody, see if they can hang with us and give us some of their picks too. Uh, and then we'll get right back into our weekend must-watches before you come to New York and we do this all over again for the New York Film Festival. And we got more brackets, some more after credits now that we're getting into some yep. pretty crazy movies. So a yep. lot in store. We, we are in the thick of it right now, entering October, Absolutely November, and December. So a lot more intercut to come. Cool. So... That's all for this edition of the show. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V as in Vera Drew, I-C-H, and check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Multiplex Show or the TikTok at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Let Me Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Please leave us a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review and shout out to our listeners in Kenya for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Appreciate like that. our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, movies are dreams you don't forget. Banger lines in the Spielberg, man. He should write scripts more often. He should. It's the first one in a minute.